Welcome, everybody. This is Table Talk, your healthy theological radio addiction. My name is Brent Kuhlman, and I'm uh, privileged to be here with Pastor Clint Poppy and Pastor Adam Moline. Good, if, good if you could say that with a straight face and not a <laughs> smile, I would, uh, I would uh, appreciate that and uh, maybe even believe it. Well, that's your problem. We just happen to have the recording equipment, so <laughs> you don't have to butter us up. I'm at your mercy. Well, there's been a lot uh, happened since the last time we recorded, gentlemen, with regard to the Fifth Commandment. And uh, one of the, I, I want to bring this up. I know you guys stay up to speed on things, but there are a number of people with whom we deal um, who don't because they're busy. They're raising children. Um, they have activities, etc. They, they're not able to keep up to speed on certain news items like we are. So I want to broach this, and uh, if people have heard this, We'll review it if they haven't heard it. Well, good, good. So since the last time we recorded, uh, we've had a governor of the, of the state or the Commonwealth of Virginia, uh, Governor Northam, I believe is his name, who categorically asserted, or uh, how shall I say it, uh, what's, the other, what's another verb I could use? He advocated for infanticide and didn't blink an eye. And... Uh, for the most part, generally speaking, uh, most of the people who is in his party didn't blink an eye either. No, his his approval rating has gone down, but ever so slightly. It's uh, This is where we've come, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I've been warning about this for decades as a pastor. And people, of course, in my Bible classes and uh, other places where I give presentations, they roll their eyes and they say, this cool man, he's insane. But I've been warning because I know the old Adam. Because I've got one, and I know how the old Adam works. And the old Adam, as I've said before, and it bears repeating, the old Adam always has better words than the Lord. The old Adam believes the satanic lie that you shall be as God, and you will call what is evil good, and you will call what is good evil. And so with Governor Northam, I don't know if he professes to be a Christian or not. I don't know that. But my point is this, is for a man to publicly advocate for infanticide, and, and um, uh, advocated in the way that this is for uh, reproductive health or for the mother's health. This, this has gone, you, can't, you know, if I even say gone off the deep end, that doesn't even come close to uh, expressing what's going on here. I'm going to really tell people what I feel about this. We have now out-Nazied the Nazis in this regard. Um, that what happened in the 30s and the 40s in Germany with the extermination of Jews and other people, also happened to Down syndrome children, etc. And we are doing the very same thing that the Nazis did in the 30s and 40s. And it's being approved and made legal. And my, again, the point is how we've out-Nazied the Nazis, is that people like you and me, who are not just offended at this, that word doesn't even begin to describe the, the emotional response. But if we, if we just rationally try and say this is not right we are then the criminal have you noticed the reaction to people who've said this is not right what have, what have they said have you noticed it's it's the other side it's their fault or they have no room to speak etc cetera, etc cetera. they justify the murder of children and uh it's not good it's not good so folks what northam uh, extolled is a breaking of the fifth commandment brazenly but the next point I want to make is, how did we get here? 
How in the world could this ever happen in the United States of America? Well, I think there are many reasons. One's the old Adam, which I mentioned. But there's another reason. The church, when Roe v. Wade was uh, passed by the Supreme Court, when that decision was made... In 1973? The church essentially was silent. I, I don't remember the church going, getting up in arms. I didn't, I didn't hear... The Roman Catholic bishops, I did not hear the, the presidents of the Lutheran synods go to Washington, D.C. and say, this, this cannot be. We will not allow this as citizens of our country. Well, we, we, and we certainly did not hear that in our own Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, because our own Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod was very, very confused, and the leadership was very, very much uh, disjointed, certainly not united, with regard to a response to the sexual revolution of the 60s, um, birth control on demand. Uh, we were We were worried about how people would look at us in the modern world, and so how dare we say anything about contraception, and the whole matter of abortion just kind of jumped out at us and we were not prepared and in fact some of the only voices that were heard at that time were voices in our own church body that were sympathetic to abortion now you you got names <clears throat> do you have any names in mind I don't have any names in mind. I don't want to speak with authority. I didn't do it. I didn't do that research before I got here. But there are names. I, there are names. There were articles in Lutheran Witness. Yes. There were other periodicals yes. that went out. Yes. And at that time, the LCMS was embroiled on uh, an argument on whether or not the Bible was even true in its entirety or not. And so, you know, there's other things going on that prevents the speaking out against that um, when we're trying to fight a battle that's completely different in another place. I will mention someone. I'll mention if people are interested in this history in the Missouri Senate, I will reference people, and I'm doing this off the top of my head. Uh, Peter Scare, who's a professor at the Fort Wayne Seminary, he wrote an article in Concordia Theological Quarterly. It was a presentation, and so then it was published in uh, Concordia Theological Quarterly. And he did a historical survey of the Missouri Senate's position on this topic, abortion, life, etc. And he, he, it's shocking. It's absolutely shocking. So people, if you're interested, get online, Peter Scare, S-C-A-E-R, and just type in uh, abortion or Planned Parenthood or life in the womb, and you'll be referenced to the CTQ article. That'll get people started, and, and you will be shocked. And so, yes, there's, that's, that piggybacks on my point. Why have we gotten to this point? Because the church, basically, generally speaking, was silent when Roe v. Wade decision was made, and that's why we're now here where we're at now. And I think now uh, people like you and me and others like us who say this cannot continue, this cannot stand, we must overturn Roe v. Wade. We are now the criminals. Um, I, I, I have a call right now to a congregation in California. I just, I just received a call. And, uh, well, congratulations. Well, Did I know that. The reason I bring this up is one of my members, one of our dear members at Trinity Murdoch, told my wife, on Sunday, she said, if Pastor Kuhlman takes this call to California, he'll end up in jail. <laughs> and what she meant is, is that Kuhlman's, Kuhlman's not going to go out and kill somebody with a gun or a knife or going to go steal from Walmart or anything like that. What she meant is that Pastor Kuhlman, by faithfully preaching and teaching the Word of God, and apropos to our topic here today, the Fifth Commandment, to protect life, 
and his praying and speaking to overturn Roe v. Wade, that will get him in jail. That will be considered a hate crime, yes. uh, not only in California, but in other places in our country as and well. And this, again, is a parallel universe to the 30s and 40s in Nazi Germany. And let me, let me, since I've mentioned this numerous times here in this broadcast, let me, let me refer people to another book if they're interested in this topic to see the parallels between what's going on right now in America and what was happening in the 30s and the 40s in Germany. Go check out Gene Veith. And Veith is spelled V-I-E-T-H. Gene Veith. And now I'm trying to remember the name of the book. Do you guys remember? Um, uh, I know he's got a book on vocation. Yeah, yeah. This, uh, um, he's got another one that's... Uh, at, during the break, I'll look Spiritual, it up. Spiritual, we'll, uh, Spirituality of the Cross. Those no, are the two no. books. I had it on the tip of my tongue. Uh, during break, and when we come back from break, I'll give the people the name of this book. I had it, and then I just lost it. My dementia just kicked in. But then people can see it, and they will be shocked. Right? And it, But at the same time, they'll be saying, now I'm connecting the dots. Now Kuhlman and Poppy and Moline who talk about these things and warn us about what's really going on. Ah, this isn't the first time. Okay. No, and when you talk about uh, out Naziing the Nazis, the um, the warped logic of the Nazis were that uh, people who were uh, born with Down syndrome, people who were homosexuals, people who were gypsies or some other uh, fringe group, uh, these these people were abnormal, and it's okay to kill them. They're not really life. And it's okay for us to chop them up and do experiments on them, right. uh, the whole eugenics program, so that we can make life better. Right. We can go for that uh, that Nietzsche's ultimate man. Yeah, the Ubermensch, the, the Superman. The, the yeah. Ubermensch, yeah. the Superman. And uh, it, the, this was their logic, and this was their warp logic. When uh, When I look at some of the things that are being done in the name of death today – in the uh, Planned Parenthood pro-abortion lobby, um, we can't even look and say uh, there's some some noble, however misguided notion. We're letting babies go to full term so they make more money when we sell the larger parts on the aftermarket uh, sales right. uh, thing. I mean, I just uh, this this is mind boggling and. Uh, Somebody came up to me after church on Sunday and said, Pastor, you mentioned the term infanticide. Can you describe that or define that? This is a term that is not in people's vocabulary. Yes, in, Pastor, fact, in fact, I just heard on the radio coming over here to record on a radio program a former congressman from Utah, Jason Chaffetz, who admitted that he didn't even know what that term was until just week. Isn't that amazing? That's amazing to me. Okay. which again shows why we've be, why we have now arrived where we're at. Okay, by the way, uh, piggybacking on your mentioning uh, again of talking about Planned Parenthood, let's let's remind everyone that Planned Parenthood was started for a specific reason, and keep in mind that that name came later. Planned Parenthood had another name before it was Planned Parenthood, but for the sake of those who want to learn. Margaret Sanger started Planned Parenthood, and there was one specific reason why she started Planned Parenthood. It was to eliminate the Negro race from the face of this country and the face of the earth. Why? Because too, they too were— Too many black babies. Yes, too many black uh, uh, people having sex and making little back black babies. But it, but it was a racist reason. Did you hear what I just said? It's true, because she was a rank, flat-out racist. 
and she fully believed this is this is not this is nothing new. I'm not making this up. This is in the record. Um, she said that the Negro people were a subhuman race and they needed to be eliminated, and that's why Planned Parenthood was started. Uh, and I think maybe we're we're tickling all around what the real issue is: is that um, life has intrinsic value in itself, and there's nothing that you need to add to it. For example, a particular age, or or uh, saw today in the news, if uh, a baby's breathing, that's what makes it a baby, or if right, it's out the right. womb or inside the womb, uh, it, we would say uh, correctly that life has value in itself because God gives life and that value, uh, and you can even talk about it from a you know just a purely secular point that any life has value. If we're going to Mars, we want to find life; it has value in itself. Uh, all those things. And once we start to put uh, caveats on that and say uh, it has to be this particular race, this particular age, this particular uh, usefulness to society, then we're changing that value uh, to be something else. And we just witnessed this past week a retired professor at Concordia University, Portland, Oregon, Norman Metzler, who did the caveat thing. And I'm going to just for the sake of time, just paraphrase what he argued. He argued for abortion. He argued for it uh, because life is only potentially there in the womb. It only will eventually become a life. That is to say, he, he flat out denies that from the time of conception, that's a baby. Okay? And therefore, abortion is fine. Now, of course, he couches this, uh, this advocacy of breaking the fifth commandment by saying it's complicated, etc. We're going to take a break, and we'll come back, and (laughs) we'll talk more about this. So hang on tight, folks. Welcome back, everybody. This is Table Talk, your healthy theological radio addiction. I hope you've uh, fastened your seatbelts because it's been a, a really fast and bumpy ride in this program as we talk about and from the Fifth Commandment. Uh, we've been observing some very um, very evil things that have been happening in our country recently and how it's all come to a head with the advocacy of infanticide by the Virginia governor, Governor Northam. And... Uh, he hasn't backed down on that. I don't expect him to. And by the way, he is a doctor. He's a physician, you know, who should know better. Um, but, Clint, uh, you would brought something. Uh, we'll get back to Metzler here in a minute. Uh, infanticide, we want to define that. But I want to, before we do that, I'd mentioned a book by Eugene Veith. And the book is called Modern Fascism. Fascism. Modern Fascism. He, he, he connects the dots. The parallels between today and the 1930s and 40s in Nazi Germany and in fascist Italy. And uh, I better define another term because I've used the term fascist now. And, of course, that's a word that we're told you can never use. But I do, and I do it for a reason, to tell the truth. And we, one, of the, one of the reasons we be, we've come where we're at is we, we are now living under a soft, for lack of better terminology, a soft fascism. And fascism essentially is this, is that there is no such thing as the individual. No such thing as the individual. There is only the community 
or the state. And so what the community or the state decides, everyone must knuckle unto and under, and no one can have a differing opinion, etc., because there is no such thing as the individual. That is the fundamental presupposition of, of fascism. And let me give you just a real quick example of how this worked a number of years ago with the school lunch program. When the state, under the leadership of the president's wife at that time, Michelle Obama, said that we're, the, the, the government is now going to dictate what you can and cannot eat at school. It got to the point where if a child brought a lunch from home, a bag lunch from home, it had to be inspected and it could be qualified or disqualified based upon the fascist state because the individual doesn't count anymore. Mom doesn't know best. She can't make the lunch for the kid. And therefore, oh, there's only one entity in this world that can now provide lunch for school children, and that is the government. That's a, that's, an, that's, a, that's a soft fascism, if you will. And this is what we're dealing with now in our country, okay? Now, when most people hear the word fascism, they think to World War II and Mussolini right. and Italy. And this is, this is where Vith is helpful, is he draws the, the parallels between what was happening then and what's happening now. And the distinction between what fascism is and what national socialism is, uh, or the Nazi party, how they're connected, but they're different, the subtle differences here as well. But and on a fundamental level, they're all the same in that regard, that there is no such thing as the individual. See? That's, that's the key component in all of these, whether, whatever they're called, national, socialism, whatever. Seriously, look at, look at Ocasio-Cortez. She's a soft fascist because you don't count what I say and what the state will decide is what matters. Again, look at the reproductive health law that was produced or passed by the state of New York a couple of weeks ago that Cuomo signed. That, again, is fascism. You can, there is no, uh, what's, the, what's the right word? There's no uh, exceptions to this law now. Okay. And if you, if you say there should be, you're a criminal. I was shocked when, uh, when the New York bill came on national news and removing all abortion restrictions. Uh, up until recently, the word has been viability. If the baby in the womb is viable which most people would say would be around 22 weeks or so, and that's where Nebraska is, 22 weeks. And anything later than that, a third trimester abortion. But now uh, New York has removed all restrictions up until the moment of birth an abortion can take place. Even, was, while, even while the head is crowning. Even while the head is crowning. Even so, after the baby is born. And so I was I was shocked by that, but I was directed to a New York Times um, article that gave a listing of all 50 states and the District of Columbia. And New York is one of now 11 states that has no restrictions with regard to how late an abortion can take. I'm shocked and I'm embarrassed that I didn't know that. I'm shocked and I'm embarrassed that this, that this topic has, has just eluded me and I've had my head in the sand. So um, people uh, wake up. This, this is coming. This is coming at lightning speed so fast that we can't even keep up with it. 
And at the same time, the uh, national birth rate has dropped below the level necessary to sustain our current population, uh, which is part of then what feeds into the whole discussion about immigration and uh, border control that's going on right now. You know, all these issues are all interlinked, and it can all go back uh, to just... uh, our understanding of marriage and uh you know if if we understood marriage to be the place where sexual interaction is to take place and not outside of that we probably wouldn't have all these babies conceived outside of wedlock we wouldn't have as great a desire and need for abortions we wouldn't have uh, then uh, a declining population and birth rate we wouldn't have to have these big arguments about uh, border control all these things stemming out of that one uh, place where god's word is is uh, violated yeah. We talked infanticide. Adam, define what that is for our listeners. Infanticide would be, uh, the uh, the word side there is, is from the Latin. There's all sorts of sides, you know, homicide, uh, fratricide, potterside. Uh, but side has the idea of murder, destroying, killing. Uh, and so infanticide would be killing of a, a baby who is outside and healthy, um, uh, after birth, and so you know uh, the uh, the Romans, for example, the ancient Greek story of Oedipus Rex. Oedipus was born. They uh, tied his heels together and left him in the wilderness to die. That's infanticide. And so now, when a baby's born, infanticide would say the doctor could let the baby die or kill the baby outside the mother's womb. It's post-birth abortion, maybe. Mm-hmm. This is what China does. This is what North Korea does. <laughs> But, you know, America never did this. You know, the Spartans did this. You know, if a kid was, uh, had Down syndrome in Sparta or had some deformity, physical deformity, they would just take the baby and throw it off the cliff into the sea. And I think in the Roman society, the Potter Familius had the authority to do that to his child at any point in their life until they became an adult on their own regard. Um, and so, yeah, we're really going backwards, if you will, uh, not progressing forward as everybody wants to sell you. We're yeah. doing what people have done before and has failed. It's and, and in the uh, barbaric er, early Christian writing of the Didache, uh, not only is the fifth commandment, thou shalt not murder, uh, explained and expounded upon, but it is specifically said what a grotesque and abomination it is before the Lord. Uh, infanticide is specifically named and spelled out as against God's will, against God's word. And again, why have we got to this point? I would argue there are a number of things that could be said, but for the sake of time, let's just limit it for this. Why have we arrived at this point? Well, go back to Roe v. Wade. We've, we've, now, we've, we've just essentially allowed the Roe v. Wade decision to stand and we've, we've just gotten comfortable, for lack of better terminology. We've gotten comfortable with the fact, well, okay, we'll allow the mother to abort her child within a certain time framework, okay? And then we have the laws that, okay, third trimester, no, okay? So we, it's like that slippery slope, if you will. We allowed so far, and we've allowed it so long that, what the heck, let's just go all the way. And that's exactly where we're at. And I, I fear that it's just going to get worse. I, I'll say it again. I, uh, I hope I'm wrong. I really do hope I'm wrong. But when people, when people are brazenly murdering their children, they'll, ha- they'll not even think twice about killing you. Yeah, we're comfortably numb to the whole thing. I think exactly. you're exactly right. 
uh, Pastor, you, you know, you've been talking about books that, that uh, ex- explain this or spell this out. I'm reminded by uh, a book from uh, probably 20 years ago, Robert Bork, Slouching Toward Gomorrah. And uh, I think that makes many of the same points in a secular way that Gene Veith's book does as well with modern fascism. You know, the the commandments are connected. The commandments build one upon another. Uh, Pastor Moline set the stage when he talked about marriage and the fifth commandment here, and we'll be able to make those connections when we get to that fifth commandment in future programs. Pastor, what about the people who would say, the Christian church cannot speak about a politician like Nordum. The Christian church cannot speak about a Supreme Court ruling, which is settled law, Roe v. Wade. How would you respond to that? Because the Fourth Commandment and our respect uh, and honoring of government, and now the Fifth Commandment with God's gift of life. Can you... Um, We've got uh, we've got about three minutes left. Can uh, can you do justice to that topic? I'm so glad you asked that. You remember the apostles? That's why I'm here. Man. Well, yeah, you're you're good at that. You remember the apostles in Acts chapter five? They were commanded by the authorities. In fact, the Jewish Supreme Court, the earthly authority, they said, "We forbid you to preach Christ crucified and risen." What the apostles say? We must obey God rather than men. That's where we're at on the life issue. We must obey God rather than men. So we will speak to this issue, and we will, in, in the legal ways that we can, we will hold the politicians accountable. I've mentioned this before. All of our congregations in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, and anyone else who will listen, and there are many who are willing to, we must teach them how to pray, individually and corporately as a congregation, that every Sunday we must pray for the governing authorities to do their proper work, and that includes protecting life. And if they won't do it, we must pray for their repentance. And if, and if, if necessary, their removal. And what I mean by their removal is vote them out. So be a citizen. Take part in uh, uh, the political activity of your community, whether it's from the very bottom, grassroots up, or whether you want to ri- run for state senate, or if you want to run for a national office. But we need to speak to these issues. Let's say, for example, that you lived in New York. You go to the town hall meetings and you speak to your politicians and you tell them, repent or else. Seriously, that's what needs to be said. By the way, you remember Cardinal Dolan as a result of the Cuomo thing. He, he equivocated. And you notice he went to canon law. He said, well, canon law can, will not allow me to excommunicate because then we'll use this as a weapon. Nonsense. The man, the cardinal is like Aaron in Exodus. He's no longer a man who's been sent by the Lord to speak God's word. Cardinal Dolan. See, this is the gift of the Lutheran Reformation. Though thus saith the Lord. He won't do that with Governor Cuomo. Instead, he'll, he'll say, well, you know, I know it's not right to do this, but, you know, canon law says, therefore, I can't excommunicate him because he's a politician, and I can't use this as a weapon against him. Well, that's the devil at work. Did you hear what I just said? That's the devil at work. But he did author a sternly worded letter. 
and he encouraged the parish priest to read this sternly worded letter to the congregants this past Sunday, and it is estimated that about 80% of the priests actually read the letter. He needs to excommunicate Cuomo. That's the bottom line. He let, and Among before, others. Yes, Pelosi, etc., uh, uh, Schumer, all the Roman Catholics who are politicians, if they should be told categorically by their priests or bishops or pastors, whether they're Lutheran, Baptist, Roman Catholic, they should be told. They'll ask, in other words, the, the pastor will ask or the bishop will ask the diagnostic question. Tell me, God's word says you shall not murder. Now you're voting for murder. You're actually advocating for the murder of children, even after they're born. Now, I'm, do you believe that? If they say yes, say, now that's, that's not God willing and God pleasing. I'm going to tell you, you need to repent of this. And if they will not listen to the word of God and will not repent, then they need to be excommunicated. We're not uh, we're not clean on this topic either in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. 25, 30 years ago, one of the leading voices pro-abortion in America was an LCMS Lutheran, a gentleman by the name of Paul Simon from Illinois and his bow tie, and to the best of my knowledge, was never placed on church discipline. Let that soak in. Well, well, we'll talk to you again next week, folks. In the meantime, stay Lutheran. Tricks on my dear